Hi, I'd like to welcome you to our show. I'm your host, Praying Medic. We're talking about life as a child of God and all things related to his kingdom. Thanks for joining us. If you're a new listener to the show, you can find articles and books and other resources on my website, www.prayingmedic.com. Now let's jump into this week's show. Today's message is taken from a live, dual-hosted broadcast that I did on Periscope with a man named Todd. Todd had a dream a couple of days ago. When he woke up, he got on Periscope and did a broadcast describing the dream. He asked his friends to make me aware of the dream. We got together and talked about it a little bit. We decided to co-host a broadcast on Periscope where I would walk him through an interpretation of the dream. Todd describes himself as a hopeful agnostic. He is not a Christian but he is definitely seeking God. So Todd had an interesting dream this morning. I took some notes on it, and we were going to walk through just some of the, some discussion about his dream and maybe do a little interpretation. First thing I, w- I would say for people who are interested in dream interpretation, some dreams are best to interpret literally, but most dreams are meant to be interpreted symbolically. I do believe most times that When we have dreams, they're from God. Most of the dreams that we have are dreams about us. Not other people, but they're dreams about our life. And God conceals and hides instruction in dreams. And you just have to kind of walk through, scene by scene, decode some of the things that you're seeing in the dream. This one happens to be pretty complex. It has a lot of scenes. And it's giving Todd a lot of information about his life. Todd, the first scene that you remembered was the tornado scene. And then you remembered a hospital scene, and then there was this gathering scene in a room with a bunch of people, and then there was a snow scene, and then there was the scene that you said was like from Hades where people were being tortured. So you were recalling one scene at a time as you were telling the dream. Mm -hmm. All right. So I think the easiest scene to interpret is a tornado scene. Tornadoes are actually very common in dreams not hard to interpret. If you think about elements of a dream that you see and think about them metaphorically or think about a one or two word description of what that thing means to you, it'll help you start to interpret the dream. So when you look at a tornado and you think about a tornado, if it comes through your property and hits your house, it is going to cause devastating changes, right? Mm Mm-hmm. So basic dream symbology with tornadoes is they represent drastic change, symbolically. So if you're thinking about a symbolic interpretation of the dream, that dream portrays that you see it coming in the distance, changes that are coming to your life. Mm-hmm. Okay. To uh, riff off of that, what you're saying there, um, now, I'm trying to remember what my emotions were in that particular moment. And, and your emotions in a dream are a big key to the interpretation. Because you weren't obviously terrified when you saw the tornado. You were like, oh, wow, interesting, there's a tornado. Not like well, not panicking? The first one that I saw was, the first time I saw the tornado, it was a big tornado, a dangerous tornado. But it was off in the distance. Right. And, and it was coming towards and then I saw that there was this red barn, and it looked like we could seek shelter in the red barn. 
But when I when we decided to okay, we need to either seek shelter in the red barn or try to outrun the tornado and get to a more more secure thing. When we realized that the tornado was moving too fast and went back to the barn, the barn went from being a somewhat structured environment to seek shelter in to it was almost like uh putting toothpicks up and painting them red right you know what i'm saying like it it became very unshelterable all right as you're thinking about the interpretation of this dream you see a something coming in the distance that is big that is Mm -hmm. potentially dangerous Mm -hmm. and you have an opportunity to take shelter from it so just thinking metaphorically there is something coming in your life that is going to cause drastic change. And you have an option to take shelter or don't take shelter. But it's, that option is only open for a little bit of time. And then the shelter option is going to go away. Mm-hmm. And then you're going to have to be out there facing this thing by yourself. So the shelter option was removed. Then this little tornado, this little dust devil, we call him here in, in Arizona. When you drive between Phoenix and Tucson, we, you can see a dozen of these things in the summertime. Just little dust devils all over the place. So a dust devil comes toward you, and then it comes between you and your wife. Mm-hmm. And you see it, and you think, oh, that's um, interesting. And she is watching this t- little dust devil. Now, the twister was smaller in width, but it was, like, really, really tall, like the, the ones I used to see in the, Afghanistan. The dust devil. It was, yeah, it was like, really tall, but it didn't. It didn't look like it was dangerous. Right. It didn't look like it was dangerous. Okay. So here is breaking off of or in front of this major change is a smaller change. Almost like a harbinger. Mm-hmm. And it comes near to you and you look at it and think, well, that doesn't look that dangerous. But it comes between you and your wife. Mm-hmm. And then you decide you're going to go chase this thing and see how powerful it really is. Mm-hmm. Okay. And you're. Then thinking, it, it, it destabilizes me a little bit. Like, I remember in my dream, like, there was grass in the meadow and stuff. And I kind of remember in my dream that I was almost like if you go to, like, a, you know, the wind tunnels at parachuters or, you know, when they're trying to do their stunts, yep. it was, wasn't quite that powerful. It moves you around a little bit. Yeah, and I, was, I remember kind of clinging for the grass to try to cling to some kind of purchase. Oh, you were trying to hang on to the grass because you didn't want this thing to suck you up into the sky. Right. Right. So you go and test this thing that is going to potentially cause change in your life and get between you and your wife. Mm-hmm. Right. I hate to say this, but I'm just going to say it. I think this scene represents some event, person, or thing that you're involved in that is going to try to separate you and your wife, to literally come between you and mm-hmm. cause hardship and friction in your relationship. And yeah, that's how I interpret to, it, too. And you're going to kind of go and look at this thing and see, does this really have any power over me? And I would just caution you, in a potential storm of life, the thing that you want to do is stick with your wife, not go chasing this thing away and have it potentially destroy you because that leaves you, your wife and you separated. So that is my interpretation of the first scene is that there's a person, event, or some interest that you may have that may draw you away from your wife. That could be my sojourn. It could be. 
It could be a lot of things. All right. So there was another scene where you were in a hospital and you were in a hospital bed and it was after a mass casualty incident. Patients were coming into the hospital and you realized you were in a bed, but you really weren't injured. You didn't need to be there. But the hospital was filling up with casualties. Mm -hmm. So I snuck out of it. So you snuck out of it. Because I would have felt bad having taken a bed for somebody that I felt needed it more than me. Right. In the aftermath of a devastating, life-altering event, there are always going to be casualties. But in this particular event, you were not the one who was injured. Other people were. Hmm. Interesting. I've been divorced. And I know that in my divorce, my divorce hurt my kids and my family more than it hurt me. I mean, it was devastating to me, but I walked away from it, okay? They were emotionally traumatized. So again, symbolically, think about a lot of casualties and you walk away and everybody else is kind of getting treated with their injuries, but you're like, okay, and you see the cat, the kitten. That my wife had, but was loose in the hospital, on the hospital floors, and I snatched it up so I could return it to my wife. But she wasn't there in the hospital. She wasn't in the hospital, no. It's, to me, it's, it, it so seemed more like... lost something that she loved, and you were trying to get it back to her. Mm-hmm. In the midst of a mass casualty incident, your wife loses something that is dear to her, and you are trying to get it to her. Yes. All right. Again, uh, I'm, not, I'm not saying that this is... No, speak, speak freely. But, but don't, don't hold back. If, if the first scene is about a potential relationship problem with your wife... The second scene, then, this is your wife loses something near and dear to her, you, your affection, and you are trying to get it back to her, and, you, and she's not there. there. There are many different ways this dream could be interpreted, but I think, I think if you continue to unravel this dream and just, you know, hey, ask God about it, because you're going to have more dreams in the future that will further unveil what this is all about. Snow scene. So... You're in a, you see a scene, lots of snow, snow is piling up. There was two things that I remember. You were talking about at the end, you saw these shadowy figures sort of walking toward you, but it, there was so much heavy snow and wind, it was hard to make out what they were until they got real close, and then you realized kids playing. It was, it was kids playing, and, and they were throwing a football around in the middle of a blizzard-like condition. I remember that. All right. And they were, and they were coming scene. back to the shelter. There was another scene with like an A-frame house. Lots it's of the same scene. Same scene. I, was look, I was looking out the main window, and I could see them off in the distance walking okay. walking towards the house. And then I remember Brandy being out shoveling like the walkway. And then that snow, I don't know if it was snow because it didn't feel like it was cold. Something slid off the roof and hit her. Well, yeah, it's like powder came off the roof and kind of like didn't hit her in a violent way or anything like that. But right. she, she kept shoveling. Because so, <laughs> that's how she is, stubborn. Right. So again, you and your wife, you're inside a house. House tends to represent our life. The uh, attributes, the way you describe a house, what it looks like, symbolizes something about your life. You're on the inside of your life, and she is near but outside, mm-hmm. shoveling, working, and there's kids out there. And you're having a hard time seeing the kids. The kids are there, but you can't see them. When I got divorced, I was not able to see my kids for a year. My wife, my ex-wife left the state. And it was heartbreaking for them and for me. 
and I really wanted to see them. My daughter wouldn't talk to me, wouldn't even text me for a long time. So again, I'm not saying that this is the absolute interpretation. However, the fact that there are children in the dream and you can't see them very well and they're playing, but you're not out there playing with them. They're not in the house with you. They're outside and you're on the inside. Kind of cloistered. Kind of, right, exactly. And your wife, it gets you know hit by some like, snow. Not it's devastating, like, but, but the snow falling on your house, on your life, has an impact on her. Right, but it's interesting that now that I'm thinking about it, it's almost as if my wife was trying to create a path from me inside the house cloistered to allow access to my children and to give me free passage. Right, right. And she was out there doing that work. Interesting. Gathering scene. You saw an open room, very large, lots of people there eating, talking, hanging out. Yeah, it was like a rest, like a big open restaurant. Okay. Which could be a Kofefe Fest. Which could be a Kofefe Fest. Well, look, you're part of a community, right? Mm Mm-hmm. You're part of a community, an online community. We all hang out together. We scope. We, we hang out. I have been having a lot of dreams like that where God has been showing me my participation, my role in this large group of people. Right? Mm-hmm. That's, that scene could represent just a, a big picture view of your life overall, your, your involvement with other people in the online community. The Hades scene is very interesting. I wouldn't have described it as a Hades scene, but you did. Let's let's <laughs> oh, go. go let's let's retreat back. Um, okay. Let's let's digress back to that one open season, and whether there was candy, like almost like in a candy dish that was falling around, and I was holding it under, like kind of like as if you didn't want to waste water, and we we're like we we're, you know, we needed that candy, and people were just kind of like not being careful with it, and I was gathering it up around, so and also being careless with the candy, and you were trying to be really careful, gather it up, make sure it didn't get. Lost right. or wasted. It's like gathering acorns for the winter kind of thing for a squirrel. Now, here's the interesting aspect of the dream that I really couldn't figure out a way to articulate until now. So in the process of being at this scene, I was at we were at this one big rectangular table and it was like and this how and my wife can attest to this. This seems to happen to me a lot. Where matter of fact it happened during the uh during the Mayweather um <laughs> fight McC- McGregor fight at the uh at the pub. And it was like I was sitting right next to somebody, but where there was space on my left for somebody to choose to sit next to me, there's always seems to be a vacancy. So it's like I was somebody's left-hand or right-hand man, but nobody was my left-hand, right-hand man, per se. Nobody was, like on, your, all, nobody was on your left wing. Yeah, or nobody was watching my six, so to speak. Right, right. Interesting. No, I think interesting scene. Candy is symbolic. Candy is not something that is very nutritious. Mm-hmm. It's sweet. It's tempting. So that scene could portray the idea that there is something in your community, in your social group of people that you find very valuable, you find very tempting, that other people think is no big deal. Interesting. Okay. The Hades scene, if you want to go into that one. Okay, that was really, really interesting. Um, <laughs> yes, it was. So I want you to imagine, like, so it was like a bunch of soldiers. They were wearing a uniform. It was like as if I was wearing my ACUs or BDUs and I had boots on, yep. and they, all they had on were their T-shirts, not the blouse over top. But By the way, let me interrupt real quick. Mm-hmm. My wife and I and a lot of people have dreams where people are, are portrayed as soldiers in the military, 
mm-hmm. some sort of structured organization. That is very, very common in dreams. I've had a lot of them. Um, it tends to represent the order, structure, and organization of society and of both the kingdom of God and the kingdom of darkness. Mm-hmm. Um, there are orders and ranks of demons and angels in the kingdom of darkness. There are orders and ranks of people in, in God's kingdom. So that is a very, uh, that's a very typical presentation of a spiritual reality. But go ahead. It was, it was super interesting, uh, Dave, because it was like, I want you to imagine, do you know those machines where you can kind of like you strap your feet in and then you hang upside down? Yep. Where it stretches out your spine? Yep. Well, in this particular thing, it was only one leg that was strapped in. Their right leg by the ankle was strapped in. Say this is the foot. It was. They were strapped in, and they had to do like a reverse uh, curl, not curl, reverse uh, sit-up to slowly ease themselves back. And there was a... I would say, I know this is pretty gross, but there was a piece of wood that kind of stuck up. It was about this big, and it came to a point. I know that's real gross, but it was about <laughs> that size, and it was right at their left shoulder. So they were hung up by their right right foot, and they were. It's, it was almost like climbing into a contra- like almost like climbing into a coffin almost, but it wasn't enclosed, and they were strung up by their right foot, and they had to one way or another they were going to lay because their their stomach could only hold them up so long. But they had to have their their left shoulder with the the, the pike or the or the punji stick, pugy stick, right. sticking into them. The sharp bamboo stick and jabbing them in the shoulder in the back. Like I'm talking like behind their shoulder blades. So like it was going to go into flesh. And then there was a female that would come around, or many. I don't know if it was many, but I remember in this particular scene that would kind of shake them a little bit to make sure that you know that they're like oh, and then kind of push them into it. So it was, it was almost like a punishment. Nobody was howling out in pain. It almost it almost had this feeling like not penitent, not penance, but like this is your lot in life based on decisions you've made in life, and this is the punish this is the punishment of man. The choices that we make do affect the type of life that we have. And We're mirroring. There it goes. Of, many people suffer difficulty in life because of their own choices, because of relationship choices. School choices, job choices, whatever. So it didn't feel like it was something I was being punished with. That's the weird right. thing. It felt like society was about – it was like a damnation of society. That's the feeling I got on it was like watching people going down the wrong path. And that and was seeing the their punishment. of their choices. Mm-hmm. You're watching other people do it. But I'm watching it happen to other people, All yes. of the other scenes in the dream were about you. This mm-hmm. one was about – you being an observer and looking at other people's pain. Yeah. Thoughts? Yeah. Well. Does it mean I lack insight or is it? <laughs> no. No. I think what, it, what that scene is telling you is, what does it say in a hotel California? We're all prisoners here of our own device. Mm-hmm. Right? Yep. You check into your own lifestyle by your own choices and you suffer or you prosper based on your own choices. And the rest of the dream, I think the scenes are a portrayal of different potential problems that are coming your way that you have a chance to avoid. And I think God is saying, look, you can either put yourself in a a situation that's very difficult, uncomfortable, and painful if you make the wrong choices, or if you make the right choices, you're going to have a very blessed and prosperous life. It's your choice. Because you saw people in this scene 
who were sort of, they were torturing themselves. Mm-hmm. It's, I mean, it's, it was almost like they didn't want to have the punishment, but they knew they had no choice because of decision. Like if you play stupid games, you win stupid prizes. Life's right. about choices. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. So it's, it's very interesting. Now that's the first, that's the first tornado dream I've ever had ever. Now the I, other dreams, I, I have a lot of friends who have tornado dreams. I have a lot of friends who have tsunami dreams, earthquake dreams. Um, all of those kind of represent very similar ideas, and that is a tsunami, an earthquake, and a tornado all represent acts of nature or acts of God, depending on how you want to look at it, that are sudden, dramatic, mm-hmm. and cataclysmic. And they create big changes. And unfortunately, a lot of people have these dreams and think, oh, it's a literal dream. Seattle is literally going to have an earthquake tomorrow. It's like, no, it's a symbolic dream. You live in Seattle. <laughs> you're, you're going to have some changes in your life. So rarely are these dreams literal. Most of the time they're symbolic. Now, your, your thoughts on, I'm not sure if you know who Lindsay Paul is. She's a medium, psychic medium, Lindsay uh, Paul in no, Periscope. I don't, don't know her. She's, uh, I'm not sure how you feel about it, but to me, she's like an angel on earth. Okay. She, you know, I, I'm pretty good at reading people. I'm pretty good at seeing through people that are trying to snow me or whatever. Right. Um, she did a reading for my wife, and she did she a reading for a me. Psychic reading or your wife a psychic reading? Both of us, um, oh. via kind of like what we're doing right now. Right. And uh, she said some pretty profound things um, about me. But one of the things that she said that has always stuck with me, she, she actually predicted one thing that would be plaguing me, and I asked her, because I plan on going on my sojourn in the summer, with the, with the Corvette, and I asked her, basically, at the time, the Corvette was running, and I said, you know, how's my surgery going to go, is am I going to have any car troubles with my car, and she's, she's a woman, she's a lady, and I don't mean to say this, most women don't know, they, could, they couldn't put two bolts together if you showed them how three times, you know what I'm saying, like, they just don't have an interest in it, you know, and so she's not like a real mechanical person, you got some women that can, can, strip an engine apart and put it back together no problem i'm not trying to sound misogynistic but she kept doing this she went she's like i'm seeing a problem with this <laughs> so right. that's exactly what's keeping me from going to california which could be the thing that's disrupting my life you know what i'm saying or it has the potential to disrupt my life i mean who knows it's like but it's and she also said that in october Sometime in October, I feel like something's going to happen where you're going to be, be fleeing Kentucky almost like to save your life kind of a thing. Like, now, I interpreted that at the time that she said it, like, I need to go on this sojourn. Matter of fact, while I'm on this sojourn, I'm planning on writing a book. It's going to be called Sojourn, right? The Journey to the, ce- journey to the Center of Me, right. a, veteran's, a veteran's tale of travel in the continental United States. And I've already set up different people I'm going to meet with as I'm going from state to state. You know, it could be a month long here, go back home, two months, go back home. You know what I'm saying? Because I'm trying to enjoy my retirement, and I also wanted to write the book that I've always wanted to write. It's almost like a sanity thing for me. It's almost like a cathartic kind of like, like if I don't get out and see the world and see the beauty in the world, if I don't meet people and share an experience with them and vice versa, that – I'm going to just languish and atrophy as a human being. Right. No, I, I agree. Yeah. Uh, life is to be lived. And that mm-hmm. usually means living in with other people and experiencing 
and sharing lives and insights. And yeah, I mean, I'm with you. For me, the biggest struggle, a lot of people ask, how does Brandy feel about the sojourn? And in a way it's not, it's not about Brandy. It's about me. It's about the fact that, I mean, I'm in a, I'm in a, about between a five and a six pain constantly, even with my pain medicine. I don't know how I'm going to be when I hit 62 when she's ready to retire. I want to actually see a little bit of the world before I'm like pretty much a cripple. You know, I'm already 60% disabled and, you know, barring some kind of miraculous like neck and back surgery, I I don't really see myself getting much better. So it's like, I I, I, I kind of feel like I would have a different perspective on that, but that's just me. She's pursuing her career. She can't just uproot and go. We're not financially stable for us to just get in an RV and go. Right. You know, so she has to have this career, and plus I wouldn't want to pull her off for something she loves to do. We have the animals, so that's a consideration. So one of us has to kind of stay here. And I don't just I don't want to sit here and make this into a coffin. Does that make sense? Yeah, well, you don't want to grow old and be some crippled old man who can't get out of his house and just... Yeah, by the time she is ready to get out and see the world. Yeah, you've got some soul-searching to do, that's for sure. By the way, I do not recommend mediums, but that's just my thing. I'm not endorsing see, that, but I'm, I'm also I'm also not going to judge you because I know you and I have slightly different uh, philosophical worldviews, and that's cool. I'm, I'm not closed-minded to mediums, but I'm not super open-minded to them either. That's why I said she's like an angel. I mean, she really is. Like, I've never heard her say one unkind thing. I've never seen her be anything but an honest, open person. Right. And like I said, I'm pretty good at, like, judging people. Very good at judging people. And I, I tend to approach many, many things with a lot of scrutiny. So for me to, and she's been right about a lot of things, you know, whether that's, you know, I understand what you're saying. Yep. Yeah, no worries. You know, do you have an overall kind of, like, encompassing interpretation of the dream as a whole? or? Yep. Yeah, most dreams, I think, can be summarized in like a sentence. Even dreams with multiple scenes and Mm -hmm. a lot of complex symbols. And with your dream, I would say you are approaching a season of drastic change. Be careful about the choices that you make. Mm -hmm. So just to give you a little bit more information about, I've seen my own death in dreams. I've literally, not not just in dreams, but in waking moments, uh, um, in my in my consciousness and my unconsciousness, my subconsciousness, I don't see myself making it to fifty. That's another reason why I feel. Oh, you know, I'm forty-eight. I just turned forty-eight. Okay. For me, it's like I don't know if that's a like somebody had mentioned crossroads, and I feel like I've been at a crossroads for a long time, where I feel like if I stay on the road, you stay where you are, you get what you got. That it might be that if I stay doing exactly what I'm doing, that I'm not going to make it past 50. Or it could be I'm turning this big chapter or opening up a new book in my life. And that could be the death of my old self and the rebirth of a different self. Typically in dreams and visions, when you see the death of someone, it isn't speaking of their literal death. It's speaking metaphorically. It's, yeah. Um, Usually dreams, when you see someone, when you're at a funeral, I'm Denise, my wife. I uh, had a dream probably three months ago where she saw her son die, and we went to his funeral. And oh, wow. she was devastated when she had the dream, and then she woke up, and we're talking about it. And I said, honey, you know that that doesn't mean Carl is going to die. You know that it is a symbolic dream about a change in his life. It's a death to his old ways. It, he's going to have a kind of a new life, a rebirth. 
So usually in dreams, when you see somebody's death, it doesn't portray their literal death, although it, sometimes it does, not always. Mm-hmm. In dreams, you can't say, you know, it always means this or it always means that. Sometimes it's literal, sometimes symbolic. My, my suggestion to you, if you're, if you're looking for a suggestion, and now I know that you're a hopeful skeptic about God, mm-hmm. but one of the ways that God reveals himself to people is through dreams. And I would simply just, you know, when you go to sleep at night, say, hey, you know what, God, if you're there, give me another one of those dreams. <laughs> and show me some more about of my future. And then when he gives you another dream, journal it, write it down, scope it. And then when you go to bed the next night, go, okay, that was cool. That was cool. I got it. Give me another dream. Give me another dream. Just keep asking for them. You will find, if you follow your dreams, if you pay attention to them, they will show you where your future is going. It's kind of interesting that you say that because uh, the wife and I had a bit of a tenuous uh, discussion today when I got home from with the, with the Greek food, and I had mentioned to her, so what if I start following the teaches, teachings of God and Jesus and the Bible and what the Bible says, how is that going to work with my wife who's very secular? Like if I expect her to honor her husband the way that the Bible says she should honor her husband and she's not doing that, you know, it's going to run into problems. You know, she doesn't feel as though she should honor and obey in that way, so to speak. Not that I'd be a tyrant, you know, I'm not, I'm not talking, it's not Islam for crying out loud. Yep. But my, I guess my point is, is like, how do I, how do I follow this, right, genuinely and honor it and still be in a relationship with somebody that doesn't want to have anything to do with this. It's, it's, it's easy and it's difficult. The answer is easy. Doing, Just do it. Doing the answer is difficult. Okay, so Jesus told his disciples, a new commandment I give to you, that you should love one another. That's it. That is the commandment that Jesus has given us, is to love one another. If you mm-hmm. are loving your wife, if you are taking care of her, if you are nurturing her, if you are meeting her emotional needs, and if you are just being sincerely compassionate and genuine toward her, that's all you have to do. And what will happen if you do that is her heart will be softened. God will start to speak to her through your love, and then she will start to evaluate, reevaluate her life, her belief systems. When she sees Todd as this new, loving, compassionate, doting, amazingly tender husband I, I, i've been all those things right. and, except right. for i get i get tested and well, i don't tested. you know I, I don't suffer fools very well to include in my own family right so when you do something in my my opinion when i'm cooking for you cleaning for you you know loving on you complimenting you you know i'm not trying to get too stupid with this but it's frustrating for me to think to myself i don't know how much more kinder i can be to somebody but when they're in hurting me it's really hard for me to want to wrap my arms around him in love, and I know that's the answer. Yep. It is difficult. It's a, it's, the hard part about, about love is doing it unconditionally. We, mm-hmm. we tend to put conditions on our love. I'll love you as long as you don't screw me over. <laughs> you screw me over, we're going to have some problems. And that kind of love, the unconditional love, that is what God can do. Only... God can make you strong enough, compassionate enough, tender enough to love her regardless of what it is that she does and says to you. You can't do it in your own, in your own ability. You just can't do it. But 
if you ask God to give you the enable the empowerment to do that, He can do that. I, I I say that because I've lived it. I could definitely learn a lot more patience. Yeah. I'm not I'm not your most patient guy. What what, what I consider to be bullshit and shenanigans. Part of my French. Yeah. You know I'm not a, I'm not a big fan of it. And what I might consider to be bullshit and shenanigans might be legitimate and valid valid validatable from her. You know what I'm saying? So I'm, I'm trying to see the middle ground, but I always feel like I'm the one always going above and beyond the 50-yard line all the way to the 90-yard line. And she can just stroll out to meet me at the 10-yard line, and I'm getting a little exhausted. I'm getting a little exhausted from the freaking wind sprints, and then I stop at the 50-yard line, and I never see her. That will you make know, you a like, little resentful, won't it? Uh, oh, yeah. I'm, yeah I'm, and she's becoming resentful of me, too, because okay. I've, said, I've said some hurtful things to her, and I, I, I mean what I say, and I say what I mean. She doesn't. She deserves to be happy. She deserves to be with a man that treats her with dignity and respect. And I deserve the same, but for a woman, you know. And I want her to be that woman, and I want to be that man for her. But I, I, I can't make you love me if you don't. All, all I can, all I can tell you is, you know, I used to be an atheist until I was thirty-eight. I was an atheist, mm-hmm. and opening my mind to what God could do has completely changed who I am in every way. Either Todd is going to keep on going down the road Todd's going down, or Todd is going to find a different road. Well, anything else? No, that's about it. All right, cool. I have uh, some things i got to get done uh, this afternoon. But, hey, man, I appreciate you coming on here and letting me try out this format. I've been wanting to do a dual scope, but it was, it was really good, and I think people have probably learned a lot. Well, folks, that is our show for today. I hope you enjoyed it. Thanks for dropping by. If you're new to the podcast and you haven't been to my website, you might drop by and check out the articles I have there. If you have any questions or comments about the show, you can contact me at admin at prayingmedic.com. That's A-D-M-I-N at prayingmedic.com. You can also contact me on Facebook and Twitter. I'd like to thank you again for dropping by. I hope you enjoyed the show.